0: The Production Expert Podcast is brought to you with the kind support of Autoria, Source Elements, and RSPE Audio Solutions.
1: Welcome to the Production Expert Podcast. I'm Julian Rogers, and in this week's edition, we're going to discuss intention in production and mixing. Uh, this comes off the back of a conversation on a previous podcast where uh, we're talking about uh, mixing music for Dolby Atmos, and there was a very interesting thing said by uh, said by Emre. He was saying that... Uh, um, he found the technical how to do something to do, uh, in, in, in Atmos not that challenging once his system was set up and all of that stuff had happened. What he found difficult was exactly what to do because it was a new paradigm, it was a new way of mixing. He wasn't in stereo anymore. And it was like, what am I trying to achieve? Not how to do it, I know that, but what am I trying to do? So, that's this week. Um, On to the guests. Uh, we're joined by uh, Don Morley and Mike Exeter. Mike Exeter is a Grammy-winning English sound engineer and record producer who came to prominence via his work with British rock bands Cradle of Filth, Judas Priest, Black Sabbath and more. He's also known for his work with the British guitar player Tony Iommi, being his long-standing creative studio partner. Uh, Mike? Hello. Don Morley is a <laughs> Grammy Award winning engineer and producer over a 20 year career and counting he's worked with many of the music industry's biggest names from artists including Adele, Sting and Amy Winehouse to producers including Phil Spector, Mark Ronson and Tony Visconti. Welcome, Don. Uh, thank you. Hey. Hello. So what, let's just jump straight in on this anyway. Uh, mixing. We all spend so much time talking about how to do something and very often something very, very specific. But people spend less time, for understandable reasons, not talking about how to do it, but what to do. So intention in mixing, clarity of vision, all of that stuff. Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to go to you first, Dom, actually. Um, mm-hmm. Intention, what are you trying to achieve? When do you decide? Um, does it change? Do you follow through on your particular creative vision? How adaptable are you? Is it only your decision? Loads of things. Go, begin.
2: Right, well... Um... I am almost entirely mixing other people's stuff, which actually I think in in terms of this makes it a little bit easier because I'm trying to achieve their vision. And and what I do beforehand is I put a fair amount of effort, or at least I make the artists I'm working with put a fair amount of effort into deciding what that vision actually is. Um, so, for example, with a song, I'll say um, send me a, a playlist of a few tracks that you want me to aim for sonically so like that that your mix or my mix of your track will sit amongst this lot and and sound like it belongs um and also I say um just because I've got bitten by this once um I'll say um popping a little email the reason why you've put that track in um and it's because I I remember once mixing a track where so somebody had you know done the playlist for me I listen to this track. I think the drum sounds amazing. So I start working towards that, assuming merrily that the drum sound is why that track is on their playlist. When of course I finished the mix, they hated the drum sound on that particular song and it was in there because they liked the vocal reverb. <laughs> so yeah, so I sort of, <laughs> I now make sure I know why it's there. And, and often, you know, an artist isn't able to explain Um, So I say in that case you know if you're not sure why just say the vibe you know there's there's something about the vibe that you like and normally if you've got three or four songs where the description is vibe you can kind of you can work out the common thread of what it is that they're enjoying about that and then you aim for that so in terms of intention I, I, I generally hope that before I've started the mix I have a decent idea of where I'm supposed to be going in terms of the drum sounds and the guitars and the synths and the vocal and what reverb we're looking for how spacious it needs to be how urgent it needs to be all of those things that you you know one of the thousand decisions that you make along the way as you're mixing something um and then and then to an extent that's me on a course but obviously there are things that aren't signposted that you do have to do as well and then i try and follow a little bit of my own intuition in that, because I figure there's a reason why they've called me. There must be something in what I've done or what I do that they've asked me to mix their things. So there must be a little bit of me that's supposed to be on this. Um, so hmm. there's there's some things that I sort of, I guess that, that whatever, uh, it's difficult to sort of say, this is what I do. This is my sound. I have my thing. I think it's easier for other people to say that about you than it is for you to say about yourself. Um, but I guess if I feel I follow things that I like and make sounds that I enjoy um then that's probably going to be the reason why they've called me um yeah so that's kind of it it's, it's sort of a mixture between the signposts I've asked for and then uh, and then how I feel it should sound in the in the gaps that I have between those signposts
1: nice nice I like the the not just what but why great stuff um would, should go to mike uh, on that mike wh- what about you um how does it um, how does it happen well, I'm I'm lucky on
3: a, around fifty percent of the time I'm producing my bands, so I I get to have the conversations from day one. Similar sorts of conversations um, we talk about references. Um, and their intention for what they want from a particular project, whether it's a a one-off single, an EP, or a whole album. And that can very much um, inform everybody of the way it needs to go. And thankfully, it helps us with production techniques. Um, and, um, And it should get the mix pretty ready to go so that we're in an ideal world, just enhancing, pushing faders around and making it all sound like a lovely project. It doesn't always work like that because we find out um, things along the way. Um, but when it's the other 50%, um, it's it's very, very difficult to sort of switch into that mindset for me. Um, so I really struggle. Um, I, I have to sort of take exactly the same route that Dom's talking about, um, and, and get as much information from usually from, um, FaceTime or Skype calls or, or phone calls. Um, I, I sh- shy away terribly from uh, anything email related cause you can't really mm. say with written word what you need. Um, it's very difficult to understand people's, um, people's intentions Um, but it, it sometimes bites me on the backside. Um, I've been doing it for so many years and, and I, I wonder if it's because I'm not doing, um, other people's stuff all the time, or I'm not, I'm not doing stuff that other people have tracked all the time that I forget to really make my point about how important it is to get all these things ahead of time. Um, (laughs) as I've been bitten recently, um, where, um, where I had um, uh, a, a, a band sent me, um, we had a very good discussion pre mix, but then they sent me only DI's of hmm. all the bass and guitars. Um, hmm. There was no reference track forthcoming, and the um, <laughs> and the even the keyboard parts were in MIDI. Oh wow! So wow. so <laughs> apart <laughs> from. Um, vocals um, and half a bass track. Um, oh, th- this is another part of it. Uh, they also said that they uh, they weren't too happy with some of the parts they'd sent. Um, so so I've since since we started all this, um, and I've done a complete mix, and then I've had this. Um, they're from uh, from a a country out in the baltic so their um, their english is quite um straight talking so my first set of mix notes were basically um I, I felt like running and hiding um but i did go back <laughs> to them and it, and it was it was the most bizarre thing because i probably should have should have insisted on this up front but i thought oh, i'll try and wing it a bit um but once they sent me through all the new drum parts which came across in five separate um edit sections Uh, all new guitars with amp sounds this time. Um, I went back to them and I said, you know, all I've got left is the vocals and the bass and the original MIDI keyboard stuff, which I've had to find a a sound for. And it was almost one of those comedy moments where they were like, not so fast, mister, because we've got some more bass for you as well. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's the most bizarre thing. And they finally found a reference track, which... I was like, oh, that's what that guitar's meant to be doing in the middle. It's not this sort of clean thing that I thought would be atmospheric. It's the the most distorted thing in the world. Um, And it's really my fault. And and they did say they apologised as well, saying, you know, their main creative had quit the band and taken a load of files with him and they were just like trying to find stuff and they'd got an engineer that was pulling it all together. But that was an absolute case of I had no idea what the intention for this track was. I thought I did, based on the conversations we'd had and previous tracks that they'd released, but it was absolutely shooting in the dark. Um, and it's, it's taken over six weeks to sort out the to and fro. Wow.
1: Yeah, for one track. You've certainly wow. got it, options on that one anyway.
3: Oh, God. <laughs> and you know, this really is the care what you wish for, because most of the time I never get sent DIs, because people think I'm going to screw up their sound. So this time I only got DIs. So any anywhere in between if anybody listens to this just send me posts you know I'll use them if yeah. I need to. Yeah. Um but it's tough. It's a really really difficult one. Um much easier when you're in the room with someone going is that better?
2: Yeah. Is mm, that yeah. what you want? Yeah, is that what you're looking for? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. It's probably exploring the limits of language on this one to some extent mm. because I mean you know you get some what should I say, um, vivid, vivid language that's used that isn't necessarily helpful sometimes. Um, yeah. But, I mean, something along those lines, from the same person, I mean, here. I mean, not if you're, you know, doing it, doing a mix by committee and one person in the band says one thing and someone else says something different. That's a different problem. But mm. if the same person saying that, you know, they, um, they want it... Uh, they want it warmer but more airy but 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 tighter but with more reverb you know this kind of contradictory advice how how do you navigate that i mean is that something you come up across dom dom what do you think about that
2: Uh, um i (laughs) take a stab at it um yeah it's i guess i try and i try and get um you know i'll say is there something is there something one of the references that that that's what you mean because i i realize and there's a very annoying phrase which is um apparently Elvis Costello, that talking about music is like dancing about architecture. It's a, a, a quote from him, which is stupid because I've talked about music for 25 years and, and it does work. People do understand it and we have good conversations. You just got to learn the language really. And that's all it is. And it's and it's something that not every musician is going to know the language that we use in studios that well, which is fine. Um, so I'll just ask for, you know, is is there something that I can hear that that suggests it. If there isn't, then you just kind of, I think, you have to do it with no ego and be prepared for them to go, no, no, not that at all. And then you go, okay, fine. So how about this then? And just keep going until you hit the nail on the head and what it is that they're saying. And then the good thing is, from that point on, you know what that word means for them. When they use a certain word to describe something, you've nailed what the the sort of the engineering, the mix version of that word is. So it's sort of I just see that as that's a positive for for building your communication for whatever you're doing together next
1: mm.
3: yeah I agree i I mean it's actually quite funny. I quote you quite a lot, Dom, about the one of, one of your comments about learn as many adjectives as you can, yeah, because that's something in in producing that is immensely important, um finding different ways of telling that person. Without him thinking or her thinking that they've you know they've upset you you're literally trying to find a way of describing the thing that they're not doing yet
2: yeah exactly and you know like what you might call um unsure or or frightened they mm. might use reticent or there might be some other way that they describe the exact thing that you're trying yeah. to hear and in fact funnily enough um so I have um Here's a shameless plug. I have. A, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I've always got one ready. Um, I have a, a vocal recording course as part of my uh, my company, the Mix Consultancy. And and there's a few things you can download that kind of help you. There's one that's like a cheat sheet for before you set up, before the singer turns up, and things. But one of them is just a list of adjectives. Yeah, it's a great big list of adjectives that's useful to have on hand for when you're working with a singer, and they're not quite getting the performance that you know you need to hear and then you can find the right word that works for them. But yeah, I guess the same applies in mixing. Yeah, same applies in mixing. You're just trying to find the right adjectives that mean the same to each other.
1: That was an yeah. absolutely shameless plug, but but nice brilliant. one because I like the idea of the chart. Um, it yeah. does remind me of another shameless plug, actually, for um, Sonox Claro, which um, I was just uh, going
3: to say. I'm not trying to find a picture of it right. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Right. Just because at the top and
1: the bottom. What I really liked about it is is the fact that they've got positive association words yes. above the boosts and yep. underneath where you cut, you've got negatives. Because I've seen these things before and. When you've just got one set of words, there are regions of the spectrum where, if you didn't know better, you'd think there was nothing good there. Yeah, you mm. just see two fifty hertz, and you see the words that get used for that, and you think, oh, you don't want any of that in your track. Well, of course yeah, you do. Yeah, sure. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you do. do. Yeah, but, but it is a common, it is a, a common cut area. So I can understand why it ends up that way. Yeah, yeah. claro. Absolutely. They, they, yeah. they thought that one through. They did. Nice. I
3: mean, I, I, I think it was last year I did that, or was it this year? I did, um, did the two mixes. Um, for production expert with um, stock plugins and um, premium plugins, and what I said at the time was, what was brilliant about um, the feedback we were getting of the comments was everybody was using positive expressions to talk about either of the mixes. That you know they were saying it's um, it's clear, it's um, it's bright. That that could have easily been it's it's harsh and it's spiky. Um, yeah, and I th- I thought that was a quite a nice. Example of when people were actually enjoying both mixes, they were mm-hmm. using positive ways of describing them rather than, you know, the same different adjectives could have made me go, Well, you know, that's that's not very nice. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. I think I think language is all
2: important, obviously, it is, it's, it's massively important throughout everything we do, but it does feed into the uh, mm. into trying to to divine what the intention is. Yeah, is language is. Languages- is part of the, I guess, the bridge you have to cross with, yes. with the artists that you're working with, which if you work with someone for years, I guess like you with Tony mm. uh, Iomi, yeah, I mean, you've been working together for, what, 25 years now or something? Yeah, so- I finally learned Brummie. <laughs> 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 I mean, there must be, you know, very few language bearers that come up yeah. between you and Tony. Cause, um, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You know um, what it means when he says something.
3: This is it. I mean, what, what's what's quite funny. I was I was um, trying to find it. and I've just found the email from another another uh, person that I worked with um, uh, uh, really early this year. And what's quite funny about this is the the positive that comes from it. But initially, if I said to you, his um, his mixed references were Craftwork, Franz Gall, or Fr- Franz Gall Gall, um, the Eurythmics, Bring Me the Horizon and Black Sabbath. Wow. With New Order thrown in. You'd be okay. like, uh he doesn't know what he wants. But yeah. next to each one, he'd put Bring Me the Horizon, I love the synth sound and the drums, Eurythmics, right. I love the synth, Franz yep. Gull, this particular track, I love the bass sound, craftwork, okay. the synth. And so suddenly he had, he had done his research and had, he made the mix so easy. I think I did one recall on it, which was to sure. take something out that he didn't yeah. like that he'd put in, and that was that was a perfect example of a remote mix that was done by someone who'd obviously worked with people before and had come across this, and he'd learned how best to put his ideas across to make my job easier. Yeah, and it was brilliant.
1: by use of exemplars. It wasn't exactly. by use of ex- adjectives. It was like yeah. yeah i don't want yeah. it to sound like this i want it to sound like listen to that, that yeah, yeah that, it's, it's the case of
0: don't tell me show me Yes. which which is always better achoria has a wide selection of software effects including three compressors three filters three preamps and three delays you'll actually use the latest release three delays you'll actually use includes delay tape 201 delay memory brigade and the unique and experimental delay eternity a bundle of selected effects, called the AudioFuse Creative Suite, is included with all AudioFuse audio interfaces. Visit Autoria.com to find out more on the effects you'll actually use.
1: It's okay, so um, here's here's the thing that I I learned very early in my uh, um, uh, in in my career, which is that um, I'm someone who loves the sound of their own voice, and I love explaining stuff to people. And certainly, something I learned quite early on is. I used to over-consult. I used to present people with too many choices. And I say, hey, we can do it like this, we can do it like that. Did you know that if you do this, you can do that? They don't care. There's a lot of this stuff. They don't care. what. The... So you need to differentiate between things on which you need to consult and decisions that you should just make and see whether they're good with them and it takes mm. experience to know which are which but mm. certainly don't think that all of them are one or the other because they're definitely not um what do we think about that um <laughs> I, mean, I don't know mike do you've you got yeah thoughts? I, there's a funny one there
3: it's almost like because we've got kids um it's when they ask you for something um uh, and mine still do it they're at like 18 and 22 too, but they'll ask you for something, and you're okay. Yeah, okay. And then they over-explain the reasons why, and in the end, they they end up confusing the matter because it's like um we 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 just we we decided to go down this course. I'm okay with it. Let's just see where it takes us. And you definitely don't want to give people too many options, and you don't want to give them an excuse to um to backtrack. Ooh. I'm I'm easily um. Not confused, but I'm easily distracted. Um, If my head's in the zone, I'm trying to get something done. I find it very, very hard when someone just breaks in with something banal. Um, Or if we decide, for example, in the midst of a vocal take, um, someone else in the room may say, oh, I'm not sure about that one. And I'll go, okay, let's just do it again. Now, if they start to over explain that or offer too many alternatives, Hmm. Then it breaks my concentration. It also breaks the flow of conversation with myself and the performer. And instantly things start to go downhill because you, what we really just needed to do was let the artist have another go. And um, I mean, I know this is sort of slightly veering off that, that idea, but that for me is very, very important. It's like there needs to be this, um, this very, very much simplified, let's give it a go. Let's try two or three versions. With a living, breathing person, they're not going to do the same thing every time. So mm-hmm. what may not have grasped the attention of the person in the first place or the listener, we might get on the second or third go. That's the whole point of doing this. Um, so yeah, in, in that sense, I think it's really important uh, to to not give too many options.
1: You're drawing a distinction between, um, between doing something and, uh, uh, and talking about doing something.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Because anytime you go, oh, no, I didn't like that. And the reason I didn't like it was, it's like, I didn't just... You, That's you unnecessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not let's not confuse the the situation. Maybe I do get confused.
1: I don't. Know. <laughs> so, but then again, what you're referring to there is intention, but it's the uh, wrong yes. person offering offering intention, and it's yeah, cooks and broth and all all of those kind of things.
2: Okay, Dom. Well, yeah, I think the the sort of the interesting angle I think on that is is if you've hired somebody to do something for you, such as you know mixing for you. Um, Or or producing a track for you, or or any of those things, it's not. It's you're not hiring that person because you want them to give you every option under the sun. You're hiring because they want you want to be presented with what this expert, I'm using that in inverted commas because I'm sort of referring to myself, (laughs) um, (laughs) um, what what that person considers to be the best options. So instead of here's 15 ways we could do this, it's here's three that I think are the best way. What do you like? And I think that is partly why you're being pulled in and what your experience is, is supposed mm. to be bringing to the table is who's is just best a,
1: place to make a decision on this anyway.
2: <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, just, just, um, you know, your, your, your expertise is supposed to be able to narrow down the options and, and, and present the few rather than the many
1: yeah mm. I suppose there's also a thing about uh, about hats job roles call them what you will, but I mean there's certainly that thing about when um, if you do have somebody who is in the traditional sense producing the record then um then they're the person who should be having those conversations and so often people can't sit on their opinions when it's kind of like mm, that's not why you're here mm-hmm. Um
2: uh actually on the subject well, of that I we- learned about that because my first job was working for um a chief engineer called Mike Exeter <laughs> 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 who made sure I knew when I was supposed to be talking, and when I wasn't, so that yeah, was Yeah, but
3: fine. I don't. I think you did really well. I, I'm fairly sure you never, never overstepped the mark, except to tell me my mouth was too big because I'd managed to get a, no with a mouth that big. How did I manage to get that sandwich down the front of me?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's not something I would have said. That was actually
3: at the <laughs> your open inverted commas interview. That was really funny. I was trying to. I do to remember.
2: Stuff- yeah, I remember yeah. that happening. Yeah,
3: that was funny. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, I, I think, I think that's uh, actually something that is. it's, um, it's still something that needs to be taught to people nowadays It's just, you know, if your opinion hasn't been asked for and you're not part of the, um, uh, the actual team working directly to get this recorded, i.e. if you're an assistant. Please don't say anything that might divert the whole session or derail it. You know, just just hang fire.
1: Oh, I, you've um, just reminded me of something. I'll just cut in briefly, if I yes, if please. I may. Um, it was a it was a kind of like a game I used to do in studio sessions when I used to teach. Very difficult to give uh, to give structure to like a group thing like that, just because you have got a. All sorts of pressures that don't really exist in the in the real world when you've got kind of like a timetabled studio session. Um, and the thing I was trying to counter was that you'd always have some people who were very capable, who wanted to make the most of the time, who used to dominate the session. And then you've got other people who were less confident or just less interested, I don't know, you know, but people who consistently wouldn't engage in the way that you wanted them to. And if there's no room for them... To, to engage into if you see what I mean if they're being crowded out by the dynamic of the group really hard to do so what I got together was a a system of lanyards and they had Actual lanyards hmm. with hmm. laminates on that I used to hand out at the beginning of the sessions, and they had a different role on each week, and I used to rotate them. So you are the engineer, and on it it said it got like a little cut-out silhouette of a person's head and sort of like an ID card, and it said what their job was, and mm-hmm. it also said what their job wasn't.
2: Mm. Yeah, <laughs> and well, you're allowed to have an yeah, opinion. Yeah. And, on yeah, and it was yeah. and.
1: Everyone. The point. The reason for it being on a lanyard was so that everyone else could see it. So that if somebody was saying, "Hey, I think we should put some reverb on that acoustic guitar," so, but you're, that's not your job to make that call. So, and it was, you know overtly an artificial thing that I was setting up. You know up I'm
3: footage. so making some for my next session. <laughs> uh, some of my <laughs> best, <laughs> best I'm, in fact, I know I'm, you're not joking as well. I'm going to. I'm going <laughs> to have... Well, I'm going to do a T-shirt for me, obviously. In fact, I've already got one. My son got it made for me and it yeah, says, yeah. rehearsal is not an option, Mike Exeter, It'd be
1: difficult to get people to <laughs> swap, swap shirts Yeah, we're not getting landage, that, but though. no, I'm definitely yeah.
3: going to do... I think that's a brilliant idea because uh, I, I can actually think of one band who who do need to know that when, when we're at the vocal session, mm. the the guitarist can't sit there referring to demos of lead vocals that yeah. the singer hasn't sung that way for about six months. Yeah. And yeah. When, when they sit at the back of the room um, with their guitar not plugged in, making that horrible sound that non-amplified guitars make while they're trying to play through the talkback, the vocal melody that the oh, singer no. should be doing, yeah. it's like... <laughs> I I want to do a right turn, Clyde. You know, it really is. Just please get out of my space. Um, I mean, I know I come, I always come across as arsy, anyway. I don't really care, but it's a point that you've got to, you've got to keep this magical flow of energy going Mm. with the artist. I mean, Dom's done some brilliant talks that I've sat sat um, through at Nam, talking about how to do vocal sessions with people, specifically vocals, because that's one of the most emotive things you can possibly want to do, putting a vocalist who's not confident at ease. And the last thing you want is someone in the background twiddling their banjo, and that's not a euphemism.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, anything like that is, you know, someone is demonstrably not engaged with what is being performed, and therefore that can hurt the confidence of the person who's performing. So... Um, and it's just like if they, you know, if you in a situation of control room, live room, and they look in the, they've done a, the performance of their life as far as they think, they're looking to the control room and the six people looking at their phones.
1: Yeah. It's or like, worse, laughing about something. Or laughing yeah. about
2: something entirely, obviously yeah, entirely yeah. irrelevant, but yeah. you know, you know, that they, they yeah. were talking about. Yeah. And that, that's hugely destructive to, um, to the vibe of the session. Um, yeah. Which is something that we all, you know, we learn over time or somebody tells you or, 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 but yeah, it's an, an important point.
1: Mm. Yes, very much, mm, so. definitely. Um, I mean, uh, we s- just in terms of uh, um, in, intention during a mix. I mean, it, it's as well as it being a process, it's also it's also an event, and it might be more often than not these days. It's an extremely solitary event. Mm. But uh, in cases where you know there are kind of people under those kind of like attended sessions that certainly used to happen all the time and still do happen sometimes, setting that up um in the same way as i was saying okay here's your job here's your job here's your job there are certain people whose jobs it just is to just not be there um how do i <laughs> nice segue jules <laughs> <laughs> well you know what i mean it's like hello why are you here i had this last night i was at a band practice and um and well, did I... they say
3: it to you no this... <laughs>
1: it's quite a public <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah there's quite a public um public place where we practice it's it's just there's just like literally one door into the rehearsal space and it's in it's in town it's in falmouth and we had this random guy knock on the door to saying hi i'm just listening to the band outside uh, it's really good can i come in and listen and I was thinking, yeah, get lost. And and, mm. and the singer said, Yeah, sure, come in. I thought, Oh my no, God. No. A big <laughs> singer, dear. And um and yeah, this this person who was clearly the worst aware for drink and, and spoken a million miles an hour for some reason. Oh. I'll take guesses at why he sort of stuck around <laughs> yeah. for about twenty-five minutes, telling us all sorts <sighs> of stuff. And it's like, How did this oh. happen? Now look at it was I've got an even Right, okay. This is this is the cringe
3: making one based on that. So I did a did a thing recently with a band who'd come from um, Croatia. And two weeks, we'd, we'd done this fantastic recording, and they'd got a local taxi driver to take him to and from their accommodation. And he's in a band. Um, and he came in, and he was, he was good as gold for the entire two weeks. He'd, he'd, he'd sit there, you know, young, youngish guy. He'd sit there saying how wonderful they were, love this, love that. Got to the final night. And the guitarist um, wasn't a solo player at all, but he's a very, very good rhythmic player. He's a great lyricist and 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 deliverer of vocals. And um, he uh, he'd done this this solo, which he'd he'd kind of worked on. For a a couple of days with me, he'd he'd had a couple of stabs at it. The band were being a bit sniggery about it and all this. And it was, just, you know, it was uncomfortable. But anyway, he got through it and he did what was great for him. It was perfect for him because they're a three-piece. They don't need any other players. We get to the final playback. We're listening through the entire album to check. We haven't forgot anything. And it all finishes and everybody's like, brilliant. This has been a hard two weeks. It's been really good fun. Taxi Driver pipes up. Hmm. I... Got to say, I've been blowing smoke for the last two weeks. I think you're absolutely brilliant, but you need a, a lead guitarist. Because when it got to that solo, you just, it was so disappointing. And I just went, <laughs> I looked around and the collective atmosphere, everybody in the room deflated. Yeah. I had two people, I had an assistant and the studio owner there at the time, and they both looked at me, waiting for me to pounce because <laughs> they know me. And I just sat there and I just, I, I couldn't do anything. I was like, oh, he's literally just taken victory from the jaws of defeat. <laughs> it was <laughs> unbelievable. And it was so inappropriate. And it was like, what What possessed him to be there at that point? Yeah. Let alone coming out with something as destructive and soul-destroying as that
2: for a for a musical artist. Yeah, you know? and I imagine Terrible. he had a reasonably good idea of, of a guitarist that they could possibly use in their band. Do you know what? It was amazing. He, he called
3: up Dimebag Darrell. I said, that's even better. I said, you've quoted a guy that got shot on stage. Um, oh dear. You know, so you're you're quoting that a dead guitarist is probably better suited. <laughs>
2: right, Thanks. useful.
3: Thanks. Yeah, I mean, it was like anything else. I've got a big shovel out there. If you'd like to dig a deeper <laughs> hole, it was actually scary how how rubbish it, it was
0: as a situation. Yeah. <laughs> the production expert podcast is made possible using Source Connect now from Source Elements, the free way to record high quality audio over the internet. Need to record an interview or a podcast like this one remotely? With Source Connect now, you can. Using a Chrome browser, you'll get ISDN equivalent quality audio without the need to install any additional software. Register for your free account at now.source-elements.com. So yeah.
3: So sorry, I, I probably stole the thing. Not at of all, the, not at all. The, we we next can, point, but we can yeah. all
1: we can all take that and learn from it. I think. Yeah. Um, no, all, all I was all, all I was driving at was um uh, was about uh, was about who's in the conversation and who who isn't, and mm. it's easy to control if you're dealing with skypes and things but things like that can't happen and yeah i think you've kind of aced that one mike frankly mm, yeah <laughs> well, i'm, so, I'm sorry to be able to do that <laughs> <laughs> yes there is no mute button that's on that stuff um i yeah. mean intention in mixing his 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 one sort of to uh, uh to bring up as a final point on this i suppose which is that um if we Everyone who needs to be consulted has been consulted. During the mix stage, the mix has been achieved. There's been clear feedback and, and prob- probably some revision. Then when something goes off to mastering, um, shouldn't that be a reasonably uh, reasonably smooth process? Because if the mix is as the client intends, um, then the work's done, isn't it? Uh, i don't know if there's any if there's any dom yeah, <laughs> yeah it should be i mean i you know i'm hearing I the word that... should with quotes around it but can't yeah like, but, it? well actually
2: you know i i i i work with a couple of different mastering engineers who i you know i've worked with for for quite a while and really enjoy working with and i think and and over the years i've i've had mastering sessions where i haven't enjoyed it and and i think it's almost like intention and mastering really there in that the guys that I like to work with are ones that listen carefully to the track, to the mix and go, okay, that's what you wanted. So I'm going to give you a decent version of that. And the ones that I haven't enjoyed are the ones that have decided to put their stamp on it and try and change it into something that we didn't want because hmm. the mix didn't sound like that. So that's not what we wanted. So so in, in that respect, it should come back a master should come back as a as a slightly better version of the thing that you sent them and not something wildly different um in which case everything's working beautifully and i think if it doesn't you're possibly working with the wrong mastering engineer or at least that's been my approach to it absolutely
1: so by extension um you a, a mastering engineer shouldn't have a sound a mastering engineer should just sound like the record but a little bit better
2: yeah it should be uh, i you know in my opinion maybe some mastering engineers will disagree with me but in my opinion they should be um being able to And this is you know part of the big human skill that a mastering plugin doesn't do being able to uh, determine what your intention was with the mix what are these guys aiming for with their mix and then just handing you back a better version of that—that's been mastered.
1: This is all coming back to this idea that rather than presenting people with uh, a load of controls with you know, numbers on that you know you you understand to a greater or lesser degree, depending on you know how well you understand those particular parameters. There is a place for these kind of uh, you know descriptive words like like the Claro example, but that's far from the only one. You know, there's quite a few um, certainly plugins that try to take this language of intention and bring it into the technology that we use. This this everything that you're saying is making me think that this is this is clearly a good idea.
2: Mm, yeah, and that also wasn't also a question; sort of, it was a statement. But it also, it's, it 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 sort of underlines perhaps the. Um, the issue that with mastering and mixing and and producing and all of these jobs, they're they're technical jobs, but only up to an extent because you can have all the technical skills in the world, and if you don't have empathy, you're not going to get anywhere because because you're not going to a no one's going to want to work with you, and, and b you're not going to be able to deliver the things that they're looking for because of the the unspoken conversations and you know the um the the, the just working out from people's reactions as to whether the thing the idea that's being Worked on is the right one or not, and all those sort of um, all those sort of things you pick up from being in a room with people a lot. Um, so yeah, sort of. I Guess uh, there's there's a lot of intention that that is unspoken and is um, and is just derived from from knowing people and liking hanging around with people a lot.
3: Yeah, I find um, I, I I enjoy or have enjoyed in the past attending mastering because it's um, even just for the odd song I've I've been because I only live in Warwick. So getting down to, uh, well, they've, they've moved now, but, uh, fluid mastering was only a, a hour, hour and a bit jaunt down into, um, Hammersmith. And, um, you'd go down and let them do their bit for one song, be part of it, make sure that you could learn something from the process. Yeah. Um, and then carry on in and see other people in London. Um, it's always been a really, really important aspect of it. Um, and, um, and what they've generally done for me is um, they've given me the confidence that what I've done is actually passable, and especially in you know in certain times where you go through a period of working with some difficult artists who knock your confidence, yeah. Yeah. Um, and you, they can be really helpful in getting that back because they may just say, no, I think what, what you've got here is great. It's getting a little bit wearing towards the end. Is that a deliberate thing? Do you want me to take off some of the top end? Right. Um, or I feel it could just do with a little bit more oomph in this particular region, but that's about it. Um, it, it should be um, minor tweaks that that absolutely enhance it. I like to think that when you um when you get something back and you do the um rms loudness matching thing just to hear them and you know if you if you've given them a a lower rms mass um mix to work with and they brought the levels up to what's been decided for the project Mm -hmm. i'd like to think that when you get it back you're not going to hear a massive difference it may sound a little bit wider or maybe they brought out some of the depth in the reverbs um Maybe they put it through some nice analog st- stuff that I haven't got, which just mm-hmm. gives it that sort of slight harmonic um, non-linearity that's quite nice. But I don't want to hear massive differences. Mm-hmm. Um, what I like from a uh, from a mastering engineer on on a longer project is the way that they they seem to because it's what they do. They seem to know where to pit the. The songs from a, a level point of view, running one to another, they'll listen through the entire album, and um, they won't just go by eyes. They'll they'll sort yeah. of go, well, actually, this next song feels like it wants to pull back the energy slightly. Yeah, so maybe yeah. let's let's dip that a bit from the zero vu that you've got, mm-hmm. you know, or they'll even put in that they'll, they'll maybe. Take away dynamics by actually boosting an intro, not with compression. They'll just turn up an intro a little bit and say that's a bit too much of a drop at this point in the album. Yeah, they can make creative decisions, but I, I like it when they do it as part of a conversation. Th-
1: this is a great yeah. time to plug one of our one of our previous podcasts, which is the the one about loudness and streaming that Mike did with um uh, with a. Uh, a couple of esteemed colleagues, and yeah, Bob, um, it, Bob was, Katz, it? <laughs> it was that wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. They were brilliant. They, yeah. they were great. And something that I thought was uh, was was great in that was that uh, as Bob explaining that moving, changing the level of, a, of, of of relative levels of tracks across an album is compression, and it's like, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, yes it is. Yeah. It yeah. is absolutely. Yeah. And the way yeah. that stuff works with the uh, um, you know, downwards downwards uh, only normalization for albums and metadata so that songs sit together it's the stuff that's really really hard to measure and to yeah. uh and to use meters and your eyes yeah. for just because and this nice sort of circular kind of uh nature to this uh is is that it's, it's about intention yeah it's like it's not about You're how good, loud is this you? it's about how so loud was this it supposed is. to be yeah. at yeah. that point i'm yeah. <laughs> going to wrap things up and we're going to move to final of the week
0: RSPE Audio Solutions design, sell, and install professional audio and video equipment. Their team are available by phone, live chat, or email to receive and process orders. They have everything you need to build or upgrade your home studio to ensure you can continue to work from home. If there is anything they can do to help, reach out or shop online at rspeaudio.com. Okay, so find of the week, Dom.
1: What's your find of the week?
2: Well, my find of the week is a plugin. It's actually um, it's a new one from PSP, and um, I've used a lot of their stuff because PSP stuff just it sounds good. They, they concentrate so hard on the audio side of it that you know it just they always sound amazing. Now, what's interesting, and the reason why this particularly interested me, is it's a saturator, and I'm not interested in saturators. I've tried a lot. And I've never found them particularly inspiring. And I get asked a lot when I do—I do like guest lectures at universities and stuff—and people uh, I do talk about mixing, and, and it doesn't come up. Um, and then I always get asked about saturation, and I go, "I don't know. I don't really use it. I don't find it very interesting." But this one I do really like, and I've been using it a lot. And it's got a few of the it does like tape and, and tubes, and has those kind of different harmonic sort of things that it puts in. But I'm just—I'm um, just enjoying the fact that everything that goes through it sounds better on the other side. And noticeably so, rather than the "Mm, either it's not doing anything or it's distorting. Yeah. Which is what I've come across before.
1: I haven't tried it yet. We've got some content on the site about that. Luke did something on that, which is is very nice. I I know what you mean, though, about um, something I've said before about any of those processes is the bad ones. And there are bad ones actually. There aren't bad many things these days in, in yeah. audio production, but that's one thing where it's like, mm, no, you've not got it. Is where yeah. it sounds stuck on. You've got a clean signal with a bit of yeah. kind of like fizz on it, and it's exactly. Do you
3: find because this is the thing I find with with a lot of these things is they're they're not necessarily bad ones, but they're inappropriate ones for a particular sound source. Um, how's this PSP one work across multiple things? Cause I find like, um, I've got the, the two, um, Dave Hill ones, the Crane Song ones. And, ah, okay. I haven't tried And those. I, I need both of them because they both do very specifically different things. Right. And they definitely don't work very well on certain things. I just wondered how the PSP, P1 goes for you. I mean, I presume knowing you
2: because you're a gentle character
3: you're probably using it quite gently
2: i am yeah yeah yeah. i'm not i'm not overblowing anything it's just adding a nice bit of kind of energy yeah um to 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 a lot of stuff i've tried it I've, i've liked it on drums i've liked it on um on bass and vocals and and i think guitars i've tried it on as well um, and liked on those, yeah, but again, like you say, it's not like you put it on everything, and it's like, yeah, I- immediately mm. is you know nothing is supposed to work on everything. Um, but 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 I've tried it on a lot of stuff and liked it on a lot of stuff. So uh, which I've which I've never come across with saturators before. I've always had a go as as mm. everyone seems to love them, and and then gone. Yeah, it's yeah. either a meh or a yeah. nope or a horrible. Yeah. Whereas this 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 hits are kind of oh nice, oh, way good. more times than I'm used to. So yeah, it's good.
1: Oh, that's that's interesting, and and the and the the Dave Hill ones as well. I mean, I yeah. I've never used them. I'd kind of forgotten about them. They've been around for like really, donkeys. Well, years. they
3: they came up about uh, a couple of months ago. They came up. Uh, Avid were doing a sale, so I got both of them for half price. Oh, okay. Um and it was just like wow, I get it now because I've used the Crane Song preamps before. Mm. The, yeah, you know the head stuff, and it's like they they just do something. Um, so and,
2: presumably that's what's in the head uh, A to D. Is it? I that? think so. Yeah, right, think
3: which does that. sound great. I remember mm. when that
2: came out. Yeah, that's it's great. just
3: something about the, um, the. Again, I don't like to really hear. I don't. I don't use saturators for distortion. I use them to add some harmonics. And yeah. that's yeah. it. And um, these just did it. Really nicely. I, I I'm a massive decapitator anti or an anti decapitator person. I I'd find it the most brute force thing on the planet. <laughs> That's uh, why I it's love it.
1: Funny you say that. Just <laughs> I and, love it for that. I haven't but used it in a long time.
3: But yeah, but it's yeah. not for it's not for doing the things that saturators do. No, no, no. absolutely no no no. So it's that thing that um that mm. you know. It's like these these are these are like. Um, and are, uh, what are they? They're like a surgeon's scalpel, mm. whereas decapitator is a
1: sledgehammer. It's a, sure. Sure. and that's yeah, what yeah. it's designed for. It's so, interesting yeah, it's really what you interesting. say. I wonder how much of it's to do with control ranges. Just because, I mean, it probably decapitator. So, yeah, I mean, you can you can really mess stuff up. Yeah. Um, the one that I the one that I tend to use I tend to use this stuff mostly just on bottom end stuff. It's sort of you know kick drum or a bit across drums. Always on bass. I just can't mm. leave bass alone. <laughs> um, and um, I I've been around. I've tried everything. And there's lots of things I like, but the thing, if I've got a regular go-to, it's probably lo-fi, but yes. so little oh, really? of it. This is the thing. It's so, so little of it. It's got all this range and all this other stuff that I would never, ever touch. And it's just like, if you're going above one, and I think it's up to up to maybe ten, but if you, right. you're you on point something and it's great, right. but right, further than right. that, it's no good. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. It's kind of like, who decided the range on that? Yeah. yeah. It's like the what is it? Blue Cat did a did a gain plug-in, which yes, uh, um, which nothing wrong with at all. But the range in it was sixty dB. I remember having that installed on a t- in a teaching system, going, "Whoa,
2: <laughs> nobody <laughs> touched this." Exactly. <laughs> Take your headphones off before, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway,
1: um, okay. Uh, so, 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 so that was um, that was Dom. Mike, Mike, what's your fun of the week? Well, my one's really boring now. Um,
3: my one is a book by David Byrne called "How Music Works."
1: Oh, Um, Oh, I I know it. Yeah,
3: yeah. Never a fan of talking. Well, not never a fan. They just didn't stay on my radar. This is this is absolutely brilliant. It's um, it's a fantastic book um, that sort of goes into lots and lots of. Um, holistic stuff about music, a lot of technical history. Um, I was reminded this morning while I was out walking, listening to it, that Bing Crosby had basically funded Ampex. Yeah. Um, Oh, I love that that story. I used to do a a lecture on that. (laughs) You've got things like that. You've got the fact that um, the reason that certain types of music were written is because of the spaces they were performed in. So you didn't get death metal being written in churches. You had very choral music with lots of sustain, uh, because if you even changed one note in the melody, it would become a discord because of all the reverb. Of course. So it goes through all of this incredible wow. stuff. And it's like this, this, if you love music, there'll be something in there. And, and because I'm an audiobook fanatic, I'm, you know, I'm currently eating this one up. It's about 18 hours long, I think. Wow. Um, it's fantastic. So, yeah, it's just called how music to, works. Was it? How music works, yeah. yeah David excellent. Byrne. Christmas. List. And he, he does talk about his awkward stage presence as well, which is quite hilarious, too. Right. Hmm. But, yeah,
1: really good. Yeah, cool. Excellent. Um, Julian. Mine my, my, yes. I stumbled across on iPlayer. Um, a couple of days ago, uh, when I happened to allow myself some time to just kick back and watch some telly. And uh, it's uh, it was a BBC iPlayer um, thing. I, I don't know how geo-locked it is. Probably very. So if you're not in the UK, you probably can't see it. But Farm's Geordie Genius, the Alan Hull story. And it was lovely sort of like hour-long-ish docu about Alan Hull, who was the principal songwriter in Farm, uh, who were like a sort of like slightly folky 70s a 70s band from the northeast of England mm-hmm. from Newcastle um, I knew the music anyway just because I'd, I kind of had a bit of a phase on them sort of in my late teens mm-hmm. and um, I'd forgotten a lot about it he he died very young actually I'm, at the time I thought he was some kind of old man but he was 50 and I thought oh dear I'm 50 mm. and uh, ooh mm. um, but uh, yeah really interesting stuff worth a watch um, something I always forget about of course is that the Lindisfarne's biggest, biggest hit was probably Run For Home which I always forget was there. Because it was kind of like they had a bit of a hiatus, and then that was like a little outlier in their <laughs> career not, arc. Not if you Fog on mean. the
2: Tine was that not? Well, well,
1: that was a bit rubbish, but it's. I, but <laughs> I have to say, well, it was. I'm it sure it's their biggest hit. It, I think it was, and I think I Gaza got, in, f- got involved say, in the yeah. '90s yeah. and stuff, and it all got a bit, yeah. all went a bit wrong. But of course, I have to say yeah. that right. has got to be the anyone who knows the song has got. It's got to be the classic test track for a DSA. <laughs> Yeah, you know what well, I mean. Well,
3: not with Gazza involved. Well, he, no. he had his own Gazza, didn't he? What I didn't
1: <laughs> know is that the, thing, the interesting thing is kind of like, yeah, I mean, I, I there are things about them I quite like. Mostly about the songwriting. The presentation was. I, I didn't. I didn't realize until I looked at this that the first album was actually called "Nicely Out of Tune," which perfectly describes perfectly <laughs> describes their, their well, perfectly <laughs> describes their, their 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 harmonies, which you know. Really. Um, would not pass muster these days, and I think uh, oh, I think that we should get better. Rick
3: Beato to do a thing on Lindisfarne. I, I don't
1: Him. know how he'd cope with it. Actually, I think, <laughs> I think he'd cope. I, think he'd be very, I, tell very what, I tell you what. I is, tell you what is interesting is just listen to the mix of Meet Me on the Corner. Listen to how loud the bass is mixed. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but um, is it louder than Iron Maiden? It's it's louder than it's louder than the rest <laughs> of the, than the, the rest of every other track on that album put together. <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs>
2: But um, well, on the on the subject of of TV shows, should we address the the elephant in the cultural room here? With the, we obviously
1: uh, <laughs> yeah, in the middle on. of
2: the Beatles documentary. Yeah, you can cut this out if we shouldn't.
1: No, no, we absolutely can. I haven't seen it. Um, so oh, you know. okay.
2: Well, there's no spoilers. Uh, they broke up. What? <laughs> yeah, you know what happened at the end.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wish I could say that, that that's the first time I've done that joke today, but it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> but, no, no. Uh, no, it's absolutely of course. Um, wrapping up this thing about the uh, about the Alan Hull thing, um, I just yeah. want to say that um, what I didn't realise was that uh, sort of this new generation of people have come to kind of like you know the Dylan of the Northeast, right. <laughs> um, which right. uh, uh, um, like Dylan and, the Rabbit from um... because. Um, <laughs> Uh, what was it <laughs> a magic roundabout S- Sam Fender <laughs> covered covered winter song which I had no oh, idea I didn't I mean. really know this at all but that's that's kind of you know uh, quite quite a pleasant song um, right and a whole load of people seem to have sort of rediscovered Alan Hull this sort of like kind of slightly scruffy curiosity from the sort of the 70s and uh, and 80s and and um, uh, in much the same way that probably when I was in my sort of early twenties, loads of people were really, really into Nick Drake was kind of like sort of like a bit of a right. you know uh, uh, undiscovered influence sort of thing, which got me very annoyed because I was already perfectly aware of Nick Drake because <laughs> and I was being thoroughly snotty about it, which I was yeah. quite good at when I was about twenty. But yeah, I mean, in the same way, there seems to be a generation of people doing that, and I'm being snotty about it at fifty. Going, well, I knew about this guy for years. So, you know. <laughs> was into him before it was cool. <laughs> exactly. I, I don't think it's yeah. ever been cool. We're talking about.
2: Right. Here. <laughs> <laughs> very loose use of the word cool yeah but, absolutely yeah well, but, anyway,
1: it's, it's but it was a really
3: enjoyed, nice program uh, really nice. yeah, yeah that's great oh, that's great nice to
2: watch.
3: yeah go on then the
1: beatles
2: well I've, I've only seen two out of three because no one else in my house wants to watch it and each of them are three hours long so finding yes. those slots are tricky um but i've really enjoyed it i thought i mm. i mean you know i've i've done a lot of sitting around watching bands in rooms play mm. um but it's lovely when you're. Uh, I, I was thinking about this and people, you know, people being shocked at, at "Get Get Back" sort of appearing in Paul's hands, and I think it's only shocking in retrospect because we know that song so well. Yeah. So when you hear the first suggestion of it, it's like, oh wow, that's "Get Back." It's like, well, not yet actually. Yeah. It's 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 the first riff and vocal melody, which happens quite a lot when you see somebody writing a song. They get that little bit, and then eventually it turns into. You know the song that becomes the hit and everything
1: yeah, because it just popped up in a jam and they sort of yeah. went past it, didn't they? they missed it as a yeah,
2: yeah, yeah and then yeah. but then paul keeps Paul keeps at it he, he's obviously realized and it's it's that difference between. Um, <clears throat> there's two creative processes and one is where you create the thing and the other is where you edit. Um, and he's obviously, he's jamming away and then he's editing part of his brain. Obviously tells him a bit later, that was quite good, that bit that I came up, that get back thing. And um, yeah, and then you see him kicking around various versions of lyrics on it and stuff like that, which is quite interesting as well. Um, but yeah, I think I, you know, I, I thought it was, uh, it's a good, a good sort of demonstration, of the process when there's guys who really know what they're doing um, An interesting seeing the dynamic of it and the patience of Ringo. And I really enjoyed uh, Glyn John's Coats.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I I really, I've only watched the first two hours. I, I had to go out um, and I haven't got back to it yet. But I, I feel the same. I thought, what? You've you've hit upon the point is that we not only do we know the song really well, but we know them historically really well. Mm -hmm. They're they're up there as deities to a lot of people, yeah. And so, therefore, to see such a simple process of people falling out, arguing, getting on together, um, arsing around you know, just so much stuff going on where get
2: through tea and toast,
3: yeah, yeah. And we're just and. Just, just seeing the whole process that we do get to see, yeah. it's kind of comforting to know that really they weren't that brilliant uh, what they did they just happened to come up with some stuff that people liked yeah um with some longevity and yeah. um i'm and not they saying came they came up with brilliant. a load
2: of noise and nonsense at the same time just like exactly. everybody else does
3: yeah and yeah. um, i watched a very very, um, a very interesting uh thing talking to rick Beato, which is related to this he's just interviewed sting and dominic miller mm. and that's brilliant as well because from a songwriting point of view it's an interesting conversation and and it's 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 really fun to watch people who are quite prolific, like the Beatles, like Steve, mm-hmm. being uh, talking about their imposter syndrome and how they haven't, you know, don't always get it right. Of course, um, and yeah. it's the it's the public perception we're so damning when they don't get it right, but. Uh, that's yeah. the process you have to go through. Yeah. So there was a really great moment
2: in the Beatles, which in the Beatles one, which no one's no I haven't seen anyone else mentioned, so I don't know if it's it's being less noticed. But there's one where John Lennon's wandering around and he's just sort of singing to himself, really. And he sings. I think the lyrics were Imagine If I Loved You, it's easy if you try. Right. And he's obviously got the the and he does it a couple of times. There's just, he's got the kernel of Imagine in his head, but he's got, he's not near it yet. And there's obviously a couple of years before he gets, gets it together. Um, But I think that was fascinating to just see that little bit a long time before he came out with Imagine to see that, that, that idea that he battered around and went, no, 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 not really, you know, and and, and carried on with whatever Paul was writing. (laughs) Or possibly they're not having it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah I can see this is all going south and this is a good one and that's so. a beautiful place to bring it back because I think what you're talking about there is uh, intention Yeah, well, no, I'm sure it was at some moves. point no. yeah. so anyway um, we've, got, we've got to wind it up so that's all we've got time for this week thank Brilliant. you to my guests Mike Easter and Don Morley for sharing their thoughts on intention in mixing and loads of other stuff as well we'll be back next week with another edition of the production expert podcast